getting there. We are in week eight of our current series, Courageous Faith, and I am so honored that you chose to join us this morning. Uh, I want to give a special shout out to all of you healthcare professionals out there. I want to say thanks for holding it down. Thanks for modeling courageous faith in the midst of this season. I want you to know we're especially praying for you. Uh, as Central Christian Church, I want you to know, man, we are praying over each and every one of you individually. Know that these are unique times. These are challenging times, and you are navigating some uncharted waters with grace. And I just want to say thanks for being with us today. Well, we aren't going to waste any time. We're just going to jump right in today. I want to talk to you about a passage that I've been processing, been thinking about uh, this week in this season. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about these heroes of faith. It's kind of this hall of fame of faith. It's like by faith, Abraham does this. By faith, Jacob, he does this. By faith, Rahab does this. By faith, Joshua does this. By faith, by faith, by faith. All these heroes of the faith from generations past have done great exploits for God. And then we get to chapter 12, and I want to read this this verse to you. It's Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. I want to read it to you from the message paraphrase, and here's what it says. It says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans, they're cheering you on. It's this imagery of like this arena, and all these heroes of the faith are gathered there in the arena, and they're watching you. On the racetrack, in this time, in this space, and they're cheering you on. It means that we'd better get, a, get with it, strip down, start running, never quit. Never quit. No extra spiritual fat or parasitic sins. I mean, how, how do we run this race well? How do, we, how do we keep charging ahead? How do we keep from getting tripped up over the obstacles? How do we, we face all the challenges of life head on in our generation in this time, in this space, with everyone, all these heroes of the face cheering you on? Here it is. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Check this out. Study how he did it. If we're going to start this race and, and finish this race well, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We've got we to study how he, how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. In any season, all the challenges, he never lost perspective. That exhilarating finish line in and with God, he could put up with, with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. So listen to me, church. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, listen to this. Go over that story again and again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. I don't know about you guys, but I could use some fresh adrenaline in my soul in this season. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to study how he did it. We're going to go over that story again and again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through. You know, there are, are days when I really struggle as well. I know everybody wants a, a pastor who's full of faith and, and power, and I want to be a, a man, a, a dad. I want to be a husband. I want to be a pastor who's full of faith and power, but oftentimes I feel more like paste and flour, if I'm, if I'm being honest, than faith and power. I mean, I, I struggle as much as the next guy. 
I mean, this shelter-in-place business, like, it, it, it's a challenge for me as well. I mean, I, I'm at home, but I'm not very productive in my work, because not as productive as I think I should be, so I kind of feel like I'm dropping the ball there. I'm failing in that arena. And then my kids are at home, you know? And so I'm present in the house, but I'm not really present with them, and so I feel like I'm, I'm dropping the ball there. And I just feel like it's a tough season. Tough season. Uh, some Sundays we gather in this space and we worship and it's awesome and we go after God, but I'll be honest with you, some Sundays, a couple of them for sure, I've stood right over there while the band was leading us and we're worshiping God and I just thought, I don't know if I got it in me today. I'm not sure I can do this one. And I would remind myself in that moment of Psalm 18:39, where, where God says, hey, you've, the psalmist says, you've equipped me with strength for the battle. And I would remind myself of that. Tim, God's equipped you with strength for the battle. You got this. I give myself a little pep talk and I get up here and, and no one knows what's going on in my mind. But I'm just telling you, I struggle as much as the next guy. Then Monday comes and I got a long list of things I should have said that I didn't say. I got a long list of things I should have done in the previous week that I didn't do. And all this mountain of, of tasks to tackle. And I, I'm just saying, I, I know I'm a pastor, but I struggle as much as the next guy but some advice that, that I would give you in this season, some advice that I'm preaching to myself, keep your eyes on Jesus. Go over the story again and again, item by item. That long litany of hostility that he plowed through, it'll shoot adrenaline in your soul. So maybe today you feel like giving up. Maybe today, I mean, it's been a tough week. Here's what I would say. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Study how he did it. Today is going to be an overview of a series that we're going to unpack following Easter. Next week, we're going to uh, look at how, how Jesus lived, that what took place in the weeks leading up to the cross, the, the week leading up to, to Easter. Each day, we're going to break it down next week. Then Easter, we're going to celebrate big. We might be online. We might be able to gather. I, I don't know, to be honest, but, but we're going to celebrate big because it's the biggest day in history, and we're going to celebrate it like it is. And so I'm fired up for what's what's coming. But today, as we, we tie a bow on this series, Courageous Faith, we've been looking at for the, the past eight weeks, this, this theme verse of Joshua 1.9, where God gives us this timely reminder, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. Why? How, how could God make such an audacious claim in the midst of a season like this? How could he make such an audacious claim to a guy named Joshua that was going to go up against an enemy that was so much bigger, so much stronger, so much uh, more powerful than he was? Here it is, for the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. How did Jesus do this? Today, I think it's fitting for us to close out this series of courageous faith by looking at some, some words of courageous faith from the cross. Today, we're going to look at, at seven statements that Jesus makes from the cross. They're not found in any one gospel, but all four gospels combined, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, give us seven statements that Jesus makes from the cross. And we're going to learn how Jesus survived a very bad day. So we can learn how to survive and thrive with courageous faith in the midst of a very challenging season. So I'm going to give you the principle, and then I'm going to give you the text, and we're going to march through all seven statements. So here's the principle, number one, people of courageous faith, forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. 
People of courageous faith forgive everyone who's trying to ruin their life. I don't know if you've ever met anyone who it would appear like they have a master's degree in getting under your skin. I mean, they just have this knack for bothering you and driving you crazy. What's surprising to me is this first statement that we see Jesus make from the cross is one of forgiveness. At this point, Jesus has been unjustly tried. He has been, this trial was a mockery of justice. He's been beaten. He's been whipped. He's been spat upon. He's been mocked. Soldiers put this, this robe on him and this crown of thorns. They, they crush it onto his head. A beam, which would ultimately become the instrument of his execution as he's, he carries this 100-pound beam through, through the streets. He's paraded as people mock him and jeer him. Pilgrims from all over the land would have poured into Jerusalem for Passover as the, the city's crowded. Jesus is paraded through these streets and he's led to this hill outside of the city where many passengers, many, many pilgrims would be walking by on a regular basis, this hill called the Place of the Skull. In Latin, the place is called Calvary. The Greek, Karanion. By the way, if you're locked in, shelter in place, and you have the game Karanium, it's a great game to play, but it literally means skull. That's the Greek word. And then the Hebrew word for this place where Jesus was led is called Golgotha. I think it's important for us to note not only what Jesus says as he hangs on the cross and makes these seven statements, but it's important for us to remember where he's at when he makes these seven statements because he is in the midst of a very bad day, a very tough season. The first statement that we see Jesus make from the cross is found in Luke 23, verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. Forgive them of what? Of sin, iniquity, falling short, character that's, that's contrary to the life he created us to live. The, the, the word sin literally means to miss the mark. And in the Greek, whenever an archer would, would shoot at a target, he would release the arrow. And if the arrow hit anywhere outside of the bullseye, it was sin. It was to miss the mark. And God has standards, and we've, I've probably missed the mark more than I hit it, to be honest. But in Romans 3.23, it says, for all of us actually have sinned. All of us fall short of, of the mark. We all fall short of, of God's standards. Father, forgive them. Who, who is the them? I mean, is it Peter who denied him? Is it Judas who betrayed him? Is it the crowd who shouted crucify? Is it Pilate who, who, who gave the sentence for his execution? Was it the soldiers who mocked him and beat him? Was it the disciples who abandoned him? Father, forgive them. I think that them is all those people and you and me. I think it's us. Isaiah 53, 6 we all, like sheep, have, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and, and the Lord has laid on him our sins, the iniquity of all of us. Father, forgive them. Providing forgiveness for you, for me, all your mistakes, all your shame, all your guilt. I believe Jesus wasn't just praying for forgiveness. I believe he was paying for your forgiveness. 
When we come to Matthew 6, it's a teaching of Jesus of how we as, as followers of Jesus conduct ourselves in God's kingdom. And, and he gives us this, this model of prayer for us to apply to our lives. And, and in Matthew 6, verse 12, part of that prayer is, is forgive us of our sins, all the times that we missed the mark, as we have forgiven those who missed the mark against us, who sin against us. We've got to be honest with ourselves about the times when we, when we blow it, but we also have to be honest with God and others about the times when others have, have violated our standards. This is Pastor, uh, Pastor David Yonggi Cho. He pastors in, in Seoul, Korea. It's a, it's a pretty good-sized church. Matter of fact, it's the largest church in the world. Over 800,000 people attend this pastor's church. In one of his messages, he said this, Every day, I have to forgive so many people because every day, I hate so many people. <laughs> I'm like, amen, preacher. That'll preach right there. You get it, buddy. Every day, we go to God, forgive me of this, forgive me of that, forgive me of this. But also every day, God, forgive me as I forgive him and I forgive her and I forgive them. Jesus goes on to talk about this idea of forgiveness in Matthew 6, 14 through 15. And he actually says, says these words. He says, if you forgive those who, who sin against you, those who miss the mark, who don't, don't live up to your standards in your life, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to give others, your father will not forgive your sins. Wow. I mean, this is this is a big deal. So what is forgiveness? Well, I want to start by saying what forgiveness, unforgiveness is. Unforgiveness says, you owe me. You missed the mark and you're going to pay for it. You owe me. Forgiveness says, you don't owe me any longer. Letting them off the hook. Forgiveness is not trust. Forgiveness can be immediate, but trust takes time and is very hard to rebuild. Forgiveness is not restoration of relationship. Sometimes uh, trust and, and things have happened that have been, been so wrong that restoration of relationship really isn't even, even possible, but that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not minimizing what took place. I know they violate. I know what they did is wrong. It's not minimizing what took place. We forgive not because they deserve it, not because they've earned it, not because they've even asked for it. We forgive because we have been forgiven. Bernard Metzer says this, and I quote, when you forgive, you in no way change the past, but you certainly do change the future. The great philosopher Suzanne Summers says, forgiveness is the gift that you give to yourself. I get it takes courageous faith. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying it's worth it. And as we look at these seven statements that Jesus makes from the cross, perhaps this is the one that you need to focus your attention on this week because it, unforgiveness can take you out of the race. It, it, unforgiveness will turn into cynicism. It'll turn into bitterness. It'll turn into to anger. You'll become jaded and it'll be very hard, if not impossible, for you to become the person God created you to be and to take new ground for his kingdom while holding on to unforgiveness. Second principle we see 
Jesus give us from the cross, these, these words of courageous faith from the cross is this. Here's the principle. People of courageous faith help others who are experiencing the same struggle. They help others who are experiencing the same struggle. If you want to stay in the race, if you want some fresh wind in your sails, if you want a shot of adrenaline in your soul, focus on helping others. What a time for us to apply this this principle. This is kind of a mystery to me. Uh, I don't fully understand it, but there's this great paradox that's woven in to humanity, and that is this. When you're having a bad day, focus on helping someone else who's having a bad day turn their, their bad day around. And in helping someone else turn their bad day around, it'll turn your bad day around. Don't wallow in the mud with them. Don't, don't swap worse stories with them. That won't help anybody but do something to brighten their day. And in doing so, all of a sudden, your bad day won't seem so bad. That's the principle. Here's the verse, Luke 23, 39 through 43. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since we're under the same sentence? We are, are punished justly. We are getting what, what our deeds deserve. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him. And here's what, what surprises me about this. Because Jesus could have said, hey, buddy, I know you need help, but, but this is a bad day for me right now. I, I, know, I, know, I know you want me to help you, but I'm, I'm I'm going through a couple things. And Jesus could have very very understandably said that, but that's not what he said. He helped somebody else who's in the same struggle with him. And here's what he says, I I tell you the truth. Today you'll be with me in paradise. He gives them hope. He gives them a promise. This is why you hear me talk about one friend so much. Who's one friend that you're helping find and follow Jesus? Who's one friend you're investing your time, your energy, you're praying for on the regular? One friend that you're trying to, to, to help them come into paradise with you. Here's what I know to be true. One friend, you lead one friend to Christ. You lead one friend into a relationship with God. It's going to put some fresh adrenaline in your soul. Yes, they'll benefit. I mean, they'll, they'll have, have purpose for today and a plan for tomorrow. They're going to go to heaven and not hell. And that's awesome. That's a big win. But here's what I know to be true. It's going to put fresh adrenaline in your soul. You'll be living life on purpose like never, never before. Nothing will help you run your race and keep fresh wind in your sails than knowing that you've impacted someone's life for eternity. I mean, try it. I double dog dare you. You won't fully grasp it until you experience it firsthand. Here's what the Bible says in Isaiah 58.10. If you spend yourself, and I love that verbiage because it will, it will cost you something. I'm just saying it's going to be worth it. If you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry, satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. I mean, are you going to help others in the process? Absolutely. But who's the one who really benefits? I mean, it's you. It's you. Spend your life helping others, and you'll be the one who really benefits. Third principle we learn from the cross. People of courageous faith take care of those closest to them. 
People of courageous faith take care of those closest to them. And this is mind-blowing to me. Jesus is there being executed, brutally executed. I cannot think of a worse day. It's called Good Friday, but it certainly was not good for Jesus. Mary, Jesus' mom, is there watching her son endure this treatment. John, the beloved disciple, is, is there with Mary, and all the other disciples have abandoned Jesus. They were, they were too ashamed or too fearful to be present in this moment. And while Jesus is hanging on the cross, he looks out and he thinks, what about mom? What, what's my mom going to do? And this is the statement, the third statement we read from the cross. Jesus' words of courageous faith in this moment on a bad day. John 19, 26 through 27. Dear woman, this is mom. Here's your son. And John, the disciple whom, whom Jesus loved and trusted, he says, hey, John, here's your mom. He essentially says, says mom, I'm, I'm going, but John's going to take care of you. And John, here's what I need you to do. Take care of Mary like she's your own mom. On his worst day, he was caring for those who were closest to him. I'm just saying Jesus wasn't dumping on those who were closest to him. He was loving on those who were closest to him. And I just think this is a, a timely reminder for us to make note of this. We need to take a hold of this. Many of us give our best to our jobs, give our best to the office, and give our worst to our families. We're on point at work, but we're on our heels at home. And we're a church that just has made this commitment. We're going to watch how Jesus does it. And we're going to, we're going to do the same thing. Now we're in a season where like, we're in close proximity with our family. And I'm just saying on your worst day, guard your mouth. Make sure you're caring for those closest to you. This is a unique season. And Jesus gives the profound, powerful, profound Reminder that even on your worst days, man, we take care of those who are closest. Here's the fourth principle. People of courageous faith realize that until you get to heaven, there are some things we're just never going to understand. Until we get to heaven, there's some things that, that we just are not going to understand. And when you're in a bad day, when you feel like giving up, when you feel like tapping out of this, this race, we all ask this proverbial question, why? Why this? Why now? Why me? Why us? Why? Enough already. <laughs> I'm ready to tap out. Like, God, when's this going to stop? Why? And I don't think Jesus, you know, in his humanity, he asked this question. Not only because of his humanity, because in this moment, he's paying for your penalty, my penalty. And in this moment, for the first time, God the Father turns his back on him. And in Matthew 27, 46, Jesus says these words from the cross, my God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? And honestly, I love that because Jesus knows what you're going through. He's experienced the same situations that you're in. And he's actually asked the same question from time to time, why, why? He can empathize with you. Hebrews 4.15 says this, we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet was without sin. I mean, Jesus himself asked 
asked why. I love this quote from uh, our church-wide reading plan this week and in the devotional, it said this, uh, no, everything won't make sense, but it won't have to. We won't have to try to make sense out of chaos, but instead we can trust that God is with us. He will strengthen us and help us. He will uphold us in his hand. He is that good. You can be secure in that. You can trust that, end quote. I'm just saying it might not all make sense right now. There's a lot of things happening in the world around us that just don't make a a whole lot of sense, but I'm just saying one day it will. And it might not happen on this side of eternity, but I think one day, when we're in heaven, we're going to look back and say, God, I, didn't, I wasn't sure you were hearing my prayer, but, but you had me all along. You did have a plan. You did have a purpose. You were directing my steps. You were delighting in every detail of my life. You were guiding me on good paths in the midst of the unknown. Like we talked about last week, God is bigger than your greatest need, and he's with you. Fifth principle, people of courageous faith are human enough to acknowledge their need. People of courageous faith are human enough to acknowledge their need. The moment we need people the most is when we clam up. The moment we need people the most is when we've really blown it. And and our our natural tendency is to isolate ourselves, to stiff arm people, and to just, just retreat. But those are the moments that we actually need people the most. And I'm just saying, be human enough to acknowledge your need. Jesus models this for us. Here's the fifth statement from the cross in John 19, 28 through 29. Later, knowing that that it was all completed and that all the scriptures had, had been fulfilled, Jesus said, I have a need. I'm thirsty. I could use your help. A jar of wine vinegar was there and they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant and they lifted it up to his lips. It just reminds us that none of us are so self-sufficient that we don't need some help from time to time. Here's what I know about you. You got some issues. My name's Tim, and here's what you need to know about me. I got some issues. I mean, I thirst too. But we're only as strong as we are honest. And if we're going to do life the way that Jesus did it, then we need to be human enough to acknowledge that we too have needs. Here's the sixth principle. People of courageous faith are assured there is purpose and an end. There is purpose and an end. Central Christian Church, be assured of this. God didn't create it, but he's going to use it. There's a purpose And there's an end. The enemy, what he means for evil, God can use for good. We might not see it now, but there's purpose in every pain. God's in the business of redemption. He doesn't just redeem lives. He redeems our experiences. He redeems our moments. He redeems our seasons. And and he'll turn our bad days into actually good days if we just give it to him. Not only is there, there purpose, but there's also an end. My grandma some of the old timers. My grandma used to always tell me, Tim, this tooth shall pass. You sit up straight and drink a Coca-Cola. I'm going to say, oh, all right, I'm going to sit up straight. This is going to pass. Paul, Janessa's husband, Paul Gonzalez, we were in the office uh, a couple months back. I I don't even remember the situation that was going on, but but Paul said, Tim, even this is going to pass. And you know what? 
It has, because I don't even remember what the situation was. The season you're in, even this, it'll pass. There's purpose and there's an end. Here's the statement that Jesus made. Here's the sixth statement from the cross, John 19, 30. Jesus says, it's finished. It's finished. Jesus isn't saying, it's finished, my life is over. He is saying, payment for your sins. Every sin you've ever committed has been paid for, it's finished. Death has been conquered, it's finished. The grave has lost its victory, it's finished. He did it all for you. On your worst day, in your worst season, find purpose in the pain and know it's temporary. There's an end. And I don't know about you, that's good news. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 reads this. Therefore, we did not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away. I mean, the gray is starting to show a little bit more than it did before. The, the manicure, the pedicure is probably starting to wear off a little. I mean, outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. Don't lose heart. There's a purpose, and there's an end. And then last statement from the cross, here's the principle. People of courageous faith surrender their day to God and let it go. People of courageous faith surrender their day to God and let it go. Luke 23, 46. Father, into your hand. I commit my spirit. Surrender. It's really the only way to experience all God has for you. It's certainly the only way to experience the strength that God has for you in the present moment. Surrender. You know, I, I don't know if you took part in our, our, our prayer and fasting on Wednesday, but uh, collectively as a church and a lot of churches around the bay, a lot of pastors were uniting on Wednesdays to fast uh, breakfast and lunch and to pray. And, and this Wednesday, man, I, I went into that time of prayer and fasting wound really tight. Uh, honestly, I had a lot of things swirling around in my mind that were just keeping me awake at night and eating my lunch. And I'm just trying to figure out how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? What about this? What about that? And all these what ifs and all these questions swirling around in my mind. And I, in, a, in the presence of the Lord, I, a moment of honesty. I mean, I was praying for you guys, praying for our church, praying for our city. But I just told God, I'm, I'm not really sure your yoke is easy. I'm not too sure your burden is light. And in that moment, a passage came into my mind, 1 Peter 5, 7. And it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I just realized all these things swirling around in my mind, all this weight that I was carrying and putting on myself, maybe it's not because God put it on me, maybe it's because I wasn't casting all my cares on him, because I, I, was just, I was just choosing to carry all this weight with me. And in that moment, I just listed out the things that were really bothering me challenges I was processing, things I'm working through and, and don't really know the resolution on it yet. And I, and I started applying Philippians 4 where, where the Bible tells us, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Present your request to God. Tell God what you need. And then thank him for all he's done. And then you'll experience his peace. And so I listed out everything that, that was bothering me. 
And then I started listing out everything that was, was right and how good God's been to me. And, and certainly this, this list always trumps this list and, and gives me hope for those items. But it reminded me this, this visual of, of taking these, these needs and just laying them at God's feet and saying, I've been carrying this. It's not mine to carry. In Luke 19.35 on Palm Sunday, the, the disciples find this colt, this donkey, and they, they bring it to Jesus to, to, to this called the triumphal entry. And they, they throw their coats on, on the back of this donkey. And in Luke 19.35, it says they brought it to Jesus and they threw, they threw their coats on the colt's back and put Jesus on it. They threw it. That same word for throw is the same word that, that's used in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety, throw all your anxiety on God because he cares for you. And if you're like me, we wear layers that we were never intended to wear. It's kind of like, like this. I mean, there's a lot going on in our world today. There's a lot of financial crisis. What's happening in the economy? I mean, stock market feels like navigating a tilt-a-world right now. Like, what, what's happening? The kids, I mean, kids are out of school. Some of you are homeschooling your kids now. And on top of the work pressure, on top of everything that you got going on, now you have to teach your kids. And I mean, it's, it gets heavy, gets stuffy. There's a lot of fear about the future. How's this going to play out? I mean, we can't even meet as a church. Like, what's going on? How's this going to, how's this going to work? And then, and then on top of that, we have this long list of what ifs. What if? What if I can't pay my mortgage? What, what if we can't pay our bills? What if? I mean, what, what if I get the coronavirus? I mean, I did cough today. I'm not sure if it's seasonal allergies or the plague, but what if? What if? The list goes on. What if my depression, I can't shake and it messes up my family? What if? What if my addiction will never leave and it's something I can't find freedom from and it's such a stressful season, I'm trying to stay sober, but what if? What if? What if my retirement doesn't bounce back? What if? What if? And we all have a, long list of what ifs. And then we go to God and we say, God, I thought your yoke was easy. I thought your burden was light. But I'm not sure that's my experience right now. And if you feel like this in your soul, you're carrying layers that you had never intended to carry. And the word of the Lord to you today is surrender. Cast. Throw off all your anxieties because he's big enough to carry them. You weren't created to carry them. If you feel like life is stuffy, this doesn't fit well, I'm sweating, I'm in a bad spot, start peeling them off. God, I don't know what's going to happen in our economy. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I know what the psalmist said. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging for bread. And God, I'm just laying this at your feet today. 
God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this with my kids. I mean, one, they're driving me crazy. Two, I love them. But I'm not really present with them. I certainly don't feel qualified to be their teacher. There's a lot going on. And, but God, I realize that my kids were a gift from you. And today, God, I'm just I'm giving them back to you. And I, I want to protect them. I don't want them to get this, this sickness, this disease, but this, this virus. But, but God, I... Your hands are more than capable, and today, God, I'm, I'm giving my kids back to you. I'm not sure how I'm going to pay my bills. Retirement's not looking real good. But God, if you own the cattle on a thousand hills, I know you're going to take care of me. And one by one, you peel off the layers. One by one, you list them out. One by one, you present your request to God. You tell him what's going on. One by one, we lay them at his feet. And all of a sudden, in that moment, things are going to start to feel a little lighter. Don't be anxious for anything. But in everything, prayer and petition, God, here's my need. Here's what I'm going through. I know you're big enough. I'm giving it to you. And when you're tempted to put that jacket back on, with worry, when it creeps in, you just remind yourself, no, 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 no. That's not mine to carry. That doesn't fit me well. That weighs me down. That suffocates my soul, actually. I'm going to lay it back down at your feet. One by one. Take them off. Lay it down. Cast it off. There's some kind of, feels like a, some, some aggression there, some violence. We're going to cast all of our care. We're going to throw it off. It's not your burden to carry. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Surrender. Let's pray. Well, God, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you, God, for the courageous faith that you model for us on, on the cross, on your worst day, God. You still instruct us for how we can navigate some challenging seasons that we find ourselves in. And God, I pray that today we would cast all of our cares on you because you're big enough to carry them, you're strong enough to carry them, you are good, and you have good in store for your church. So God, will we be people that apply these principles to our life so that we can be the people you created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.